0: Welcome back to Tudor Talk Time. We hope you had a good week. We hope Yay. you enjoyed last week's episode. It was super fun. Um CB is on the Catherine screen again. And say hi. Hi! Oh God. <laughs> this week we're going yep. to look at the third sister, at Lady Mary Grey.
1: So Lady Mary Grey was the third and youngest surviving daughter of um, Lady Frances Grey and her husband, Henry Grey. And she was born around 1545 at Bradgate Park, which is sort of near Leicester, and it's been the main place of residence for the entire Grey family. And we've talked about it a lot in our other episodes on Catherine and Jane. Now, just a bit of context on Mary. It is most likely agreed upon by everyone that she was a dwarf, that she had dwarfism, because just the nutrition at this time anyway was pretty poor, so people were already short, like five foot uh, was a normal height, and under five foot was also a normal height, so Mary would have had to been extremely short for it really to be recognisable and noteworthy, and it was noteworthy, people commented on it all the time. And so we also need to bear that in mind when looking into Mary, because most of the sources on her tend to focus on her physical appearance rather than really her actions or her thoughts. Um, And it's also likely that she had scoliosis, which would have given her sort of a hunched back or some sort of crooked back. And based on your religiousness in the Tudor era and, you know, the past in general, Uh, There was a common belief that if you were sinful or wrong or your parents had done wrongdoing then it would manifest itself visually. So that's why the hunchback people didn't have the best opinions of Mary from the get-go. However, her parents were quite nice or pretty much just did the bare minimum and treated her the same as their other two daughters. And they were all raised to the highest standards that they could be, with lessons in humanities as well as more traditional lessons for women in how to run the household. And, yeah, so they were all... She was also... Mary was raised in the new reformist, Protestant-ish faith.
0: She was described, and I quote as crook-backed and very ugly so it was always thought that Catherine was kind of the pretty one Jane was like the pretty one that she was like the kind of ugly duckling kind of vibe but yeah and I think that even now there is a huge thing around like pretty people pretty privilege that kind of thing and just think it was like even worse back then so the fact that she wasn't conventionally attractive for the time would have really barred how people saw her and how people treated her so she would have been properly underestimated people wouldn't really have thought that she was capable of much just because of the fact that she didn't look like most of the other women at court
1: although it is a funny thing isn't it beauty standards because
0: I would say, if I would seen a Tudor woman walking
1: around the streets nowadays, my first thought would not be she's drop-dead gorgeous, and I know that sounds mean, but they there are reports of women wanting to pluck their foreheads so that they resembled an egg, and, you know, the good old lead makeup, you know, fair enough, if she wasn't living up to that, don't think I would really want to either. So in on the 1st of March, 1555, after um their father has died, Francis Brandon takes a second husband, Adrian Stokes, who was the master of the horse. So basically a stable boy, a glorified horse girl. And um, yeah, well, good for her for marrying, for love. But the issue was then is that when she died on the 20th of May, 1559, She left her property and her estate uh, to Adrian Stokes, and that meant that Mary only came into a relatively small inheritance. So when she'd started her life as this almighty woman, even though she had her disadvantages, she was still in a really prominent position, financially, socially, respect-wise,
0: she'd fallen quite significantly. And I think with um, the marriage to Adrian Stokes, this is at the time where, so a little bit before, Mary was eight when Jane had become Queen. She, at such a young age, she saw her sister and her father imprisoned, executed, the whole family was shunned, they were stripped of most of their wealth and property, and then this is when Francis Brandon marries Adrian Stokes and she probably married him because it was it's like a political marriage but not a political marriage like it's smart in the sense that it's not threatening it's not like she's marrying another powerful family and with Mary on the throne who's already executed her her ex-husband and her, her daughter She doesn't exactly want to be marrying someone who's going to give her more political power because that's not going to bode well with Mary. And I mean, this did work. Like, Catherine and little Mary, um, Mary (laughs) Mary Grey, are both invited back to court, which, considering your sister tried to take the throne, is pretty generous. It shows that they were in pretty good favour. So I think the Stokes marriage was probably like, yeah, maybe she did like him a bit. But it's also her basically showing that she and her daughters aren't trying to be a threat. And they're not trying to be a threat because, remember, Mary and Catherine just didn't want the throne. They saw how bad it ended up when Jane was on the throne and they didn't want that at all for each other. But it was like a, you don't need to be worried about us kind of thing. Yes,
1: definitely. But I think it was also, yeah, as you said, it's a way for her to just say, I'm not marrying up, I'm not going to try and increase the power of my daughters anymore. It's showing regret for what happened with Jane and with her husband. And it's interesting that even though their mother took this action, both Catherine and Mary would go on to do possibly some silly things, is the best word I can think for it, and we've already discussed Catherine in our last episode. But on the 16th of July, 1565, Mary secretly wed the Queen's sergeant Porter, a man named Thomas Keyes. And just a bit on Thomas Keyes, he was the son of Richard Keyes, who uh, was like, an esquire of East Greenwich in Kent. Um which is a really minor gentle family. He was more than twice Mary's age and was a widower with six or like six or seven children, and was also six foot eight, roughly, with Mary being under under five feet, or very actually much under five feet, maybe even under four feet. So I find that funny, I don't know why I should find that funny, that if you imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm five foot three and I feel silly standing next to Lara sometimes, and there's probably only about two inches between us. I can't imagine the difference. I know that isn't what I should focus on right now, but it is just insane, really. Um, and, well, I would quite like to do a bit of a, a dive into this marriage. So, on the one hand, it is a bit of a threat because Mary is still very close in line to the throne. Her getting married, in theory, she could then have male heirs who could be heirs to the throne. I understand, in that regard, how it's a threat and why that is a really stupid decision for Mary to not get approval from Elizabeth. But on the other hand, Mary was never really a frontrunner the, for the throne either. I mean, as we've talked about her dwarfism, it threw into question whether she would be able to have children, and also there the, the views on Mary were not very positive, I mean, we've already had the wonderful quote from the Spanish ambassador which called her little crook-backed and very ugly, and I wouldn't say that about somebody I liked very much, so, you know, um, and also this isn't some this isn't like Catherine's marriage, she's not marrying this royal, not royal, but this um, noble, high-ranking man. He is basically a little knight, really, if even.
0: And he's old. He's old, you know. And big. And big. <laughs> 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 but another part of this is that Ma- Big Mary, Mary the First, had died at this point. So Rest Elizabeth, sorry, <laughs> Elizabeth is now on the throne. And the thing with Elizabeth, as we know. She doesn't have kiddies and she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't have a hobby either. And so, whereas with Mary, who was married to Philip and was pretty convinced she could get pregnant, whether she could, we don't know. She was convinced she could. Um, She believes that she has the possibility of having this great line of heirs. Elizabeth knows that's not what she wants. She's not going to have a child. So the grey girls are so much more threatening to Elizabeth than they were to Mary. They're also threatening because they're Protestant. And one might go, oh, two Protestants. That's brilliant. They shouldn't threaten each other. But no, they do threaten each other. Because Elizabeth's Protestantism is not very Protestant. It is like, eh, I'm a bit reformist, but I'll let people do what they want, basically. Um, And the Greys are more Protestant than that. So two people who want hardcore reform, the greys are a much better option and they're also more likely to marry and produce a son and an heir from the greys would be very legitimate and very threatening to elizabeth
1: elizabeth was not always hostile to the gray sisters i mean when she succeeded to the throne she appointed mary gray is one of her maids of honor and granted her a pension of 80 pounds and as we've discussed with being a little bit shafted by her mother's death the following year this did give her a bit of security at court unfortunately it is all gonna go downhill but you know
0: it's nice to begin with but yeah with the kind of we were talking about the marriage the marriage itself i think they were so close but so far at the same time to getting away with it. So they only had one witness to the actual ceremony which was this servant girl called Frances Godwell who bearing in mind was also being very cautious about being there at all because Mary, little Mary, Mary Grey doesn't want any of her fancy friends to get in trouble basically. But then the after party had like loads of people and loads of super famous families so i'm like honestly she tried Every like, mistake. but at the same time she wanted a party um we are of the same mind i get her i get how she feels. <laughs> <laughs> but she could have just been a bit practical for a little bit longer because then later on i'm gonna skip ahead just to tell the story a little bit but later on keys actually Agrees to annul the marriage, but then the problem is there were so many witnesses not to the actual ceremony but to the party afterwards, so they can't annul because there were like hundreds of people there. I don't actually know if it was hundreds, but a lot. There were far too many people to annul the marriage because there were so many people there, anyway. Yeah, I mean, definitely this wedding problematic, but also um, the timing of the wedding. So, with Catherine, yeah. Catherine, as long as Catherine's alive mary can kind of relax a bit she's like second in line second to take the throne after elizabeth would die so she's got a sister in front of her that's all fine and Catherine's in line even when she's in prison bearing in mind so maybe that's why she felt a bit risque wanted to have a party yeah she thought she was safe but the main thing is that she had a secret marriage like around the same time as Catherine was in prison for a secret marriage and even if Elizabeth adored Mary she cannot be seen to be treating one sister differently to the other for a punishment yeah. for like an offense which is still as bad because even though she's not marrying a super high-ranking family it's still a marriage that didn't go checked by Elizabeth yes yeah. no, and it's a marriage that could potentially produce Male children, exactly. Whatever their size may be, they <laughs> are then A very nice. <laughs> very nice.
1: Um, and we also see that she's getting quite strong influence from William Cecil, and he wrote that the Sergeant Porter, being the biggest gentleman of this court, has married secretly the Lady Mary Grey, the least of all the court. The offence is very great.
0: So. It's a very great offence.
1: Very great offence. Also, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, the biggest gentleman <laughs> of this court. As if that adds to the scandal. He's not so tall. Perhaps subtle. if he were average height, it would be okay. Yeah. Because he's so tall. Um, <laughs> at least you'll always see if
0: coming. The way can't get past this whole 6'8 thing. <laughs>
1: it's so... It's so bad thing. Um... So it's not like Elizabeth is being surrounded by people who are kind of encouraging her to be more lenient uh, as well.
0: And then, ten days later, or around that time, we're not quite sure, (laughs) She, Elizabeth orders that both of the people, the pair of them, are to be interrogated. And they're thrown into separate jails. She is not doing this thing, putting them close to each other again. She's not having another cat no. for No more secret <laughs> babies. No more jail babies. And she's no babies. I found this really cool. She's kept in the prison room, but she's kept in the prison room in Checkers, which is where the PM has his little holiday house. And actually, you can still see on the walls some of the drawings and things she wrote when she was bored out of her mind and so scared. So I think that's quite funny, just like Boris Johnson going down for his family holiday and it's like Mary Grey writing on the walls, like, I hate this, get me out of it kind of thing. <laughs> just for, like, context as
1: well, Laura said that whole sentence with a bright smile on her face <laughs> saying when she was bored out
0: of her mind and terrified, <laughs> like... I feel like in these podcasts, I sound like the most heartless one out of the three of us. No, no. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. It's probably true. <laughs> um, she wasn't allowed any guests. And whereas last week, Katie was talking about how prison is actually quite nice. Not prison, but like <laughs> prison, you know, their prison. Her prison was not that nice. She's not allowed any guests. All her money is taken away. And she wrote a lot of letters. Basically, she wrote to William Cecil. She wrote to the Queen, just begging to get out of there. And if you thought her stitch was bad, poor Thomas gets even worse, and they shove him into Fleet Prison. And I mean, he's put in solitary confinement. I mean, you can tell he's pretty desperate because she, he is the he agrees to have an annulment, even though it can't go ahead. But for him. For him, this marriage is quite good. He's marrying up in rank. So he should be the one who's trying to hold on to it more hypothetically. But he's obviously having a really crap time.
1: I mean, not to suggest that children are like... You know better than no children but he does have six or seven of them and i think he has arguably a bit more to fight for than mary mary just has him she doesn't have any sisters she doesn't have a mother she's a stepfather who she may or may not have a good relationship with i mean now she doesn't have any money or that it's basically mary all she has left is this marriage
0: he has he a family he, he, has a job. he has a job he has kids, yeah. he's got a life, and she, her life is the prison room at Chakas. And, you know, honestly, looking at Chakas, it's not bad. Better than Freak. He probably kind of just stand up straight. Yeah, exactly. But Mary, okay. nonetheless, was miserable. She, her first letter that she wrote to the Queen was very blunt. She completely just put it straight. I am so unhappy, a creature. And she actually, I find this really interesting. She signs the letter, her maiden name, almost as if, like, a, am not married. Take it back. Just get me out of it kind of thing. Which is Mm. a little bit sneaky of you, Mary, honestly. Because I get... I get Thomas going, I have stuff to get back to, let's get an annulment, but she has got nothing. Neither of these people have loyalty. Till Elizabeth do us part. No, till Elizabeth do us part. That's not what you said, is it? That's not what you agreed to. That's not what you said. (laughs) You didn't say until prison is a bit uncomfortable. You said until death. (laughs) Until I get bored in the prison room? No. (laughs) Two years later, Mary is sent to live with her step-grandmother, Catherine Willoughby. And Catherine Willoughby actually said that Mary was so depressed that she refused to eat. And actually, a year after Mary sent to live with her step-grandmother, Thomas Keyes is released from Fleet Prison. I'm happy for him. And me okay. too. You know what he does? He writes to Elizabeth asking if he can live with Mary again. So after Mary's gone whining to Elizabeth going, I'm not grey anymore, he's fighting for her after he gets released, knowing full well she could just put him back in there. That's a real one. I want a man like that. Anyway, Catherine dies when she's 28, obviously. We talked about that last week. But that means when Catherine dies, Mary is next in line to the, to the throne, which is why I find it so crazy that just like, I've never heard of her. She was literally next in line to the throne. That's a pretty powerful position. But it is true, like at this time, there are a lot of disputes around the succession. It's not decided fully that she would be next in line. So there are other people who the throne could pass to, notably Mary Queen of Scots. Big beef there. Don't even want to get into that one. (laughs) But as we need to remember, Mary Grey didn't ever want to be queen. So she doesn't see it as her throne. So we don't, don't really know. Anyway. She never took any steps to claim it either. And then we have another year later. She's moved again to live with a man called Sir Thomas Gresham. He is quite well-renowned in Tudor, England at this time for being basically a complete, proper, old, grumpy, old man kind of person. And basically him and his wife just hated having her there, which is... Like, it's not her fault she's there. So I do feel a bit bad. I do, I feel for her here. But they hated having her there. And they just made, basically, life hell for her. In 1571, our lovely Thomas Keyes, he died probably from health problems that he picked up from prison. And Mary was distraught. And obviously, Gresham, Sir so Thomas Gresham, is not having this distraught. He is just really pissed off. And he writes to Elizabeth. He goes, please get her out of my house, basically. Elizabeth goes, no, um, what, what can you do? But then in 1572, because Keys is dead basically, Elizabeth finally gives Mary her freedom. And Yay! Mary goes to live with her stepfather, Adrian Stokes, who has another wife now. And she is very smart with her money. So within a year, she's actually able to pay for her own house with servants intelligent gal as we can see um Mm -hmm. she and then she just lives like she lives the good life you know she goes on carriage rides she reads books um she hangs out a lot with her friends and family and she actually becomes very close with Thomas Keyes's surviving children so she becomes godmother to one of his grown-up children which is lovely um and this whole time she is still trying to reform that relationship with Elizabeth and she's sending letters, doing all of that. And then bingo, in 1574, she sends Elizabeth a New Year's gift. And Elizabeth accepts it. And this is huge. This is amazing. This is basically like, wow, you've gone from being in prison to being friends with the Queen. Um, and it goes further. In 1575, Elizabeth gives Mary some of the income from her family property. So basically, the crown had been taking the income from the properties that were taken away, because basically all of them were in jail at some point. Um, and she gives her some of that income. And in 1577, Mary is appointed, maid of honour to the queen. And that's incredible. And they're really good friends and things go really well. Until like a year later, where she gets the plague and dies on the 20th of April, at 33 years old. But up, she until, then, <laughs> up until then, it was great. Well, minus the prison time, the last year wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, she had a really good last year, (laughs) and she writes her will when she can tell she's dying, and she asks Elizabeth to sort out kind of her funeral stuff. Um, and her funeral, as a true maid of honor, has a procession, and her coffin is delivered into Westminster Abbey, and she's buried with her mother, Lady Frances Brandon, with there's no like marking on her. On her tomb? casket, Grave? I don't know. Um, But she is buried with her mother. And that is the end of Mary's life. And so yeah, her life went pretty well for that last year. But the terms of that going well, there were terms to it. So Elizabeth basically said, you can be my maid of honour, but you have to pretend that you were never married. So you're a grey, you're not a keys, and just pretend that it never happened, any of that marriage stuff. But then, which I just thought was kind of cool. So there's a portrait of Mary, which we'll post on the Insta. But in the portrait, she's sat there looking very serene, all that. On her hand, you can see her wedding ring. And so so it's not like a outward, you know, but it is kind of like a little thing to say, I'm still, I'm married. And you can tell at the end of the day, she was angry. And I love an angry woman, you know? Yeah,
1: Ooh, and you know what? She is the only one out of the Grey Siddings to actually have a relatively normal death. She dies how she was born, a lady, and is treated as such after death, which in a way
0: I would say is a win. I think she's a huge win. For having a family of traitors and becoming maid of honour to the Queen in your last year, I think that's a that's a massive win. And I find it so weird that I didn't know anything, I never heard of her, because she was like next in line to the throne, and yeah. a massive success story. What a woman. What a woman. Well, the thank be... you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week on... Shooter! It doesn't really work with this delay, but anyway,
1: bye!